Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. Well, it's an honor to have with me today a friend, a gentleman that I go to church with, Mr. Tom Britt, who is a uh, Lincoln County gentleman, born and raised here. And uh, Mr. Tom, thank you for taking the time to come in and visit with us this morning. Okay. Well, I think we have to start because we've been sitting here visiting a little bit before we uh, start recording. And and you were telling me about uh, where you are from Lincoln County, but where you lived. Tell us where you lived. I lived on the county farm out here in Lincoln County. Now tell folks that may not know what the county farm was back in your day. It was a prison farm out on 84 Highway right near the... Where the city dump is now is where the whole house and the whole farm is was there. Okay, so now you weren't uh, a guest at, no. the, at the county farm. <laughs> Tell us what, how you ended up on the county farm. My father, he was the superintendent of okay. the county farm, and I used to, well, if they raised corn and stuff like that on the farm out there. Milk cows, had hogs chickens you name it they had it just like a and that's why they called it the county County farm Farm. and back then that's where they put folks that were arrested locally i would imagine and they anywhere uh, from uh six months to 18 months okay prison term 25 dollar fine if if it run over 25 dollars they would send you to the pen but other than that just small stuff you got to visit the county farm and work on the farm. Visit the county farm and plow a mule. <laughs> <laughs> That's really interesting. Now, your dad's name was Homer Britt, and he was the he was the he superintendent was of the county farm. Superintendent of the county farm. How about that? All right, you grew up there. There was you had a home there, yeah. and you lived there. And you said, I think, until you were on up, almost uh, out of About high school, seventeen or eighteen years old. Okay. I, I joined the service in, when I was eighteen. And you went to school at Brookhaven High School? No, Lloyd Star. I mean, started out at New Site. At New Site. And I went from there to Brookhaven, mm-hmm. Fair Oak Springs. Fair Oak Springs. Hikes Retreat. Oh, my goodness. New Site. New Site. And Lloyd Star. And then Lloyd Star. I, I hit all of them. You, visited, you better visit all of them. <laughs> and yeah. Well, that's really interesting. But let's get in, let's get into your your military experience because I've you and I've talked a little bit, and you you were actually very fortunate and very gracious to bring uh, a bunch of old pictures of you actually in Korea where you served uh, during the Korean conflict. But you uh, you went into the uh, into the army, army, and uh, went through basic training. Where'd you do your basic training? Uh, Fort Knox, Kentucky. Fort Knox, Kentucky. And, uh, and from Fort Knox, you were sent to Korea. Korea. I, I received, I got out of basic training at Fort Knox. They gave me one week leave. I came home, reported back to Fort Jackson, South Carolina. They loaded us on an old troop train. Goodness. With wooden seats. Goodness. We rode that thing all the way to California. It hmm. took four days and nights to get there. Oh, my goodness. And when we got there, I spent one night there. They loaded us on 
carried us out and loaded us on airplane. Oh. And I was, they called out 42 of us. All the rest of the soldiers were going to Korea, to Japan, on these old boxcar planes. They called out 42 of us, carried us out to the civilian airline. <laughs> we got on civilian airline and we flew all the way to, we flew to Cal uh, uh, from California to Alaska. Got off the plane, eat breakfast, got back on the plane. Next trip was Wake Island. Got mm -hmm. off there and eat lunch. And the next time we were in Japan, when we got there, and we spent the, that night, and the next day they put us all in a line and issued us weapons, issued us clothes, all of that. And we spent that night in Tokyo, oh, in Japan, and we got on the ship the next morning, and we were in Korea in a few hours. Well, first of all, it was probably fortunate that you were riding on a civilian plane, because I know what a boxcar plane is, and those old, old Army, old, Air Force, uh, box they, they were awful. They were small, and they Just were cramped. That's right, nothing real, like an old canvas fold-down seat on the side of that fuselage. I was a lucky joker on all of that kind of stuff. <laughs> Well, let's let's talk a little bit about Korea. Now, you got there. What time of the year was it? Was it winter or summer? It was in the spring. Spring. Well, that's early, good. Early spring. So you didn't have to worry about that particular winter, but I understand the summers were pretty tough in Korea, too. Well, we, we went through all that summer and that fall and that winter, and I got wounded. Mm-hmm later on it was getting well I think it's interesting you were telling um, we were talking last night at church and we were talking about the fact that you were in the 7th Cav which yes, is a, a, was, a very illustrious unit goes all the way back to General George S. Custer yeah I, I, I joined the 1st Platoon 2nd uh, Platoon 7th Cavalry Regiment mm -hmm. Fox Company F Company, Seventh mm -hmm. Cavalry, First Cavalry Division. That's where I was at. Wow! And wow! I think that that company <clears throat> and that regiment was probably the most famous regiment of the First Cavalry. Just reading on the uh, on some of the websites, I looked those things up and was reading about some of the uh, the battles that, first of all. Your particular group was in pretty intense battles. Several of the oh, several okay. of the fights were just really mm -hmm. huge, fighting the North Koreans. I don't know if you actually did. You actually remember if you had any contact with the Chinese? Yes, you had both North well, Koreans North and Chinese. Korea, North Korea and Chinese. Well, okay. At the last, there it was strictly Chinese. Well, you well, got many, many that's right. Korean. That's right. The North Clever. Koreans had been a probably. Pretty much whipped, and then the Chinese got involved. Well, that's I, there were several stories, and and I, and I think this friendship with a, a gentleman that you that was a World War II veteran, uh, yeah. I, I believe his name was Kokent, yeah. And and you were telling me that story, and you got to tell us about the about the pet milk, and then you also have to kind of go into what happened to your friend. He was one of these type. He was in the World War II, and uh, 
he wouldn't have anything wep weapon wise he wouldn't take anything but a BAR we called it Browning Automatic Browning Rifle Browning Automatic Rifle that's all he would pick and time you would issue him a new one normally he in a month or so he would burn the barrels out and they'd have to give him a new one wow he would just that thing would be red hot and you said he was extremely accurate it nobody wanted to fool with him <laughs> <laughs> he was one of those type and he he was kind of a loner he didn't take with a lot of people well i'm looking at one of the pictures you brought with you and it's a picture of him uh and you got to tell us about the pet milk and this the backpack that he carries i said it's because yeah, it's not military issue no it's an old a-frame he found those koreans used it on their strap it on their back to carry their wood or whatever they was carrying on that and he carried that thing with him all the time and mm. that was his backpack instead of wearing the, the government well, issue, the government GI issue. issue. <laughs> and he kept always kept an old skillet iron skillet he found one of those and uh, he would get a carton square box carton every month from his and I don't know if it was his brother or brother-in-law would send it to mm -hmm. him Mm -hmm. And it was pet milk in it, these small... Yeah, I remember the little cans. Right. Little cans of pet milk in that. And he would try to get everybody to drink some pet milk with him, but it was in the summertime and nobody would have Warm any... Warm condensed milk, I don't think so. Didn't want any of that. Right. Until one night we were... Uh, had set up a line and I was having to go down the line and make sure we had been up there for about 40 days and everybody was wore out and sleepy and uh, the squad leader I was a squad leader and we had to take turns and going down the line waking them up every hour to stay awake couple, that's right a couple of times a night make sure everybody was awake and uh, he clicked his rifle that night and I knew who he was and I went on down to where he was at and he was sitting there drinking one of those cans of pet milk and he offered me one I took him up on it and when I took a swallow of that pet milk it turned out to be 100 proof whiskey in that pet milk can alright tell us that story and he told me, he said, if you ever tell anybody what's in that can, said, I'm going to kill you on sight. And uh, I never did tell anybody about the pet milk. How was till, it done? Tell till, us, tell till us now. now. Till tell now. us now. Till now. This is the first this time you've ever first told time this story. I've told anybody tell about. us how he was doing this. They would pour this pet milk out of the can, his brother in law would and wash the can and fill it up with whiskey and sort of the can amazing back and ship it to him amazing. and get a box every month amazing <laughs> but uh that was one one tale about him well we'll we're going to take just a short break here mr tom and we'll be back to 
I want to hear how this story ends with your, your relationship and your good friendship yeah. with this gentleman from that was a World War II vet as well. We'll be right back. Okay. Welcome back. Today we're visiting with Mr. Tom Britt, Korean veteran, and uh, and it did some pretty incredible things during his time of service uh, in the Army uh, as an infantryman, a part of the famous 7th Cav. Uh, Mr. Tom, we were just talking about this gentleman that was a World War II vet that you became buddies with and his his uh, his care packages that were pet milk, but you were also telling me uh, the rest of the story about about the, your friend. Would you mind sharing how that went? Well, uh, we were in in trying to take this breach line like we always did, and I was supposed to have my squad was leading we were always out in front and uh, he came up and volunteered to go with us he mm. wasn't he was in a, another squad in the platoon but he came up and went with us up there and we got pinned down mm. and uh, he was one of these type that he didn't he wouldn't come back you could tell him to come back, but he wouldn't. He would keep going forward. And that particular day, he got we all got pinned down from it up. They had a big machine gun mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. dug in up above us, and they were shooting over us and had us pinned down. And he started to move, and when he moved. They almost cut him in two mm. with mm. a machine gun. So that's how he got killed. And he had he had uh, served in World War Two in the infantry, yeah. and and yet he he there he was in Korea. In Korea, both both places. Incredible. And uh, we couldn't believe it. We thought he couldn't be. He was infallible. He he couldn't get hurt, but he did. Combat's, we lost combat him. is really hard, uh, and the type yeah. of fighting that you yeah. guys were involved in, any right. kind is terrible. But uh, it takes its toll on you emotionally as well as physically, doesn't it, Mr. Trump? At, at times, I have had the, you know what a company of men consists of? Yes, sir. Four, four platoons makes a company. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, probably... 30-something men or more to a platoon. Right. I've had my platoon to go down to, there would be only one night there, there was only nine of us left out of the whole platoon. That hadn't been either injured or killed. Killed, injured, or captured. Oh, my word. And uh, the next morning we got back to where we were supposed to be, there was only nine of us left. Oh, that's, my goodness. That's Mr. how Tom. many. You you could lose a whole slew of people in 30 minutes. I've had boys to come over there. In fact, one day I, I received some replacements. And this boy, in 30 minutes, he was on his way back, shot all to pieces. He only lasted 30 minutes. Goodness gracious. But if you could have. I always found out when I went there, this guy and my old squad leader, 
Sergeant Al Macy. They set us down and educated us on what to look for, what the enemy looked like. We knew all of that, and they they gave us instructions on how what to how do. to help you survive. How to survive. Wow. And said, they all, oh, Sergeant Al Macy always said that M1 you got in your hand is the best friend you got. Mm. Says treat it that way Take and use it. it like that. Let that friend do you talking for you. And mm. well, now I, I also know, and it's not something that you necessarily talk a lot about, but I also know that you won the silver star and the silver star, no, bronze star. I'm sorry, bronze star. Both bronze and silver are yeah. for uh, for yeah. meritist yeah. Uh, bronze uh, actions. Bronze and silver in the congressional battle. That's right. That's the army. Uh, well, I but, I want you to share with us your experience on how you won the Bronze Star. Well, we moved into this town, a little old small town. That's all it was over there. You didn't find houses scattered out like right. here. You'd have a little old town. We moved into that little old town that afternoon about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And we set up, and they were supposed to bring us hot chow that night mm-hmm. which we only got hot chow about four times out of 11 months over there and mm-hmm. we were really looking forward to getting some going to the chow line that sure. night they set us up right next to the road there was higher hills on the right side of the road and valleys on the other side rice paddies and they set us up right on the road. We had the the road covered and set up in those rice paddies. We were out in the wide open spaces, and they brought four tanks up that night, and they were behind us. And H Company took over the hill country up above it, and they brought in the cook train, came in back behind us in a little old valley back there which was wide open too and H Company went up there and went to sleep we went back the next day to see what happened and they had went up there and lay down and went to sleep and they came in there and some of the boys was killed with spears some of them didn't even have weapons. But anyway, they took over those weapons. They had 75 millimeters, uh, bazookas, and all kinds of stuff like that up there. And they took over that. And uh, they gave us a runner up and said for us to send 50% of our men down to the kitchen train which was just probably 100 yards down the road. Anyway, we sent them down there, and uh, McClure and I were squad leaders. He was from New Mexico. We were sent half of our men down to and kept half there, and that's when they hit. And they knocked out that whole kitchen train. Everything down there got killed. 
they killed everything down there. They had 50 caliber machine guns and 30 calibers. They had everything they needed up there. Well, tell me exactly what you did to win well, this Bronze Star, Mr. They, oh, I'll get to it in just a second. Anyway, um, they shot and knocked out that tank right behind us. So we were behind the tank mm. protecting it. And uh, McClure and I sent a remainder of our men two at a time. We had to go about a 75 yards across a little old stream to get behind Get out of sight. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, we got all of them out, and we wound down to just him and me. And I told him, I said, you take the right, and I'll take the left, and we'll meet over there. And on the way, just after we crossed that little old stream, he got hit. A bullet hit him, just missed his backbone, and came out his side. Mm. And I ran back and picked him up, and we managed to get behind the hill. Mm. And we knew that the only chance we had was to go and catch up with the rest of them. <clears throat> we knew there was other people over there. So we were by ourselves, and I carried him as far as I could go. He went as far as he could. He told me, he said, I can't go any farther. And I couldn't carry him because I didn't weigh but 115 pounds myself then. But anyway, I put him in a ditch. And I went on and got over to the other people. Mm -hmm. And this little old captain, they welcomed us in. And I told him what I had. I had a man over there that was wounded, and I told him I was going back to get and he ordered me not to go nowhere. He said, you are not going anywhere or you're not taking anybody with you. He said, he's on his own. And I told him, I said, you can watch if you want to. And I, there was three of the guys that was in our platoon volunteered to go with me back to get him. And... Uh, we took off that old captain he he said you're going under strict orders when you get back you will be dealt with court martialed I told him I said you can do whatever you want to we're going back and get him and we got back to where he was at we didn't know what was out there behind us and we got to where McClure was we didn't have anything but shelter halves, and we made a put wrap shelter halves around two rifles, and put him on there, and we got it made it back to our lines with him, and got him to an aid station. And uh, I didn't know anything about it. I don't know who put me in for it, but they gave Incredible. me the, Incredible. gave me that. But on the way over there to get him, we picked up another squad of men that was on an outpost was lost and they didn't know where to go. And we were so, able to get them back So we too. got them back, got him back, got him to the So hospital. you were responsible along with those other guys of, for saving several soldiers' yeah, lives. Yeah. Oh. 
Incredible, Mr. Tom, and, and, and I'm very deserving for you to, to receive the Bronze Star. And you were also, and we don't have time to go into it, but you also were awarded the Purple Heart right at the end of your, your tour yeah. and ended up going to the hospital and from the hospital to the uh, back to the States, and you were, you were there discharged. Mr. Tom, I wish we had more time to talk. Uh, it's been an honor for me to have you here in the uh, studio with us uh, to share these stories. And, uh, and, and again, let me just say to you, and I'm sure you've heard this before, but on behalf of the United States and a grateful country, uh, we're, we appreciate what you did to serve the United States and to wear the uniform that you wore. Could I say one more little quick? Sure. When I got back to the hospital, I missed seeing McClure one day goodness he shipped out the day before i got back to the hospital coming to the states my goodness and i missed him by one my goodness one day wow well thank you for coming in again mr tom it's been an honor to have you in the studio with us and we are grateful for your service to the united states of america thank you a super talk mississippi media production